Okay, here to review the papers uh, is uh, uh, Bernice Harrison of the Irish Times, uh, Ian O'Doherty, columnist with the Irish Independent, and uh, Kira Kelly, a doctor, radio presenter, columnist, and now it appears, according to the Sunday Independent, singer as well. But we we might come back to that. No, no, please we don't, might come back please, to please that uh, in a moment. Um, <laughs> listen, let's start. Um, Ian O'Doherty, let's start with this: the tax cuts. Um, am I am I the only person that's feeling? decidedly antsy about all these promises of tax cuts as we head into an election. It's like 2002 all over again, isn't it? It is, and the only thing that's changed is the charts, and I think even half the bands around are, st- are still releasing movies. But the thing, the thing that baffles me is um, they're kind of on the cusp of getting the numbers they need anyway. So this seems like whether they're either trying to copper fasten it or whether it's just a cherry on the top or whether they really, really think we are that easily bought. Um, but here's the thing. I am that easily bought. <laughs> I'm quite happy about it. I mean, um, and I've always said that I would much prefer to live in a low tax and low spend economy. And the thing is, if you want to change, if you want to, if, 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 if this country is seriously about, say, saving a half a billion uh, a year, cut all foreign aid, get rid of all quangos, get rid of all advisory bodies, slash the civil service, and stop state spending <coughs> in areas where it doesn't have to be spent. That's a little simplistic, though, isn't it? I mean, it's not, a, no, it's not simplistic at all. It'd be very well, how, how, do slash, how do we slash quangos without firing <coughs> loads of people? Like, we tried this No, you, you, you can't. Uh, quash squangos without firing people. You do fire people. You get rid of them, and you let them go in, and you let them either try and get a job in the private sector, or you know, basically, let them try and survive and live off their wits the way everybody else does. It's, it, the problem isn't just that we pay a ridiculously inordinate amount of tax. I mean, I'm like an awful lot of people in my income bracket. I've just been crippled for the last five years, and there's nothing more depressing than finally getting to a level where you kind of you, you have a job that has a kind of an income level that you would have spent your whole career trying to get to and you go one day if I can earn X amount of money well then I'll be safe and then you open up your pay packet and you realise that you're still only walking away with 350 quid or 400 quid a, a week right it's just it's soul destroying it kills initiative it stops people going out and working are our harder tax, are uh, our tax rates that high are our tax uh, but that certainly high? I mean when you compare them to say the, the tax rates that people sp- uh, pay in the states and even in England and stuff and we have this very sort of um, paternalistic attitude in, or juvenile attitude in the country where the, the government is both the paternalistic figure and the nanny that basically the government will pay for things and the government will look after you and the, and the government can do neither. Um, the state can't help you. We're a nation of children at times when it comes to their attitude towards tax. Fundamentally, every grown person should have as much of their own income to spend as they choose themselves. Let them go into whether it's private health insurance or whatever. We need to get back into a thing of personal responsibility that most of your money is your money. I got sick of spending five years of working two and a half to three days of a five-day week to pay the state. Right, and a lot of people are in my boat, and it was ref- well. I mean, that's. Was, uh, I mean, no, you, 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 you don't pay half your income in tax. Well, by the time you included uh, universal social charge and things like that, absolutely, that's exactly. You, you pay about a third. Your your effective tax rate in terms of all the deductions that were being taken out from what I was getting it was well over a third. It was the goods of a half, and it, it, I was certainly in no means unique. And the simple fact of the matter is that it boils down to it's a philosophic. It's a it's a question of political philosophy. Philosophy. My political philosophy is the state needs. I stay away from the state as much as possible. The state stays away from me as much as possible. It's not the, the state. The old Ronald Reagan adage: the, the the scariest words in the English language. Are, I, I'm I'm from the government. I'm, I'm from here, the government. I'm here and, to but, help. But you look at the, the things. Yeah. Even forget about the Kira. forget about the tax rates just for a second. Okay. But what we what we can do to save money is, is do things like slash the foreign aid, get rid of the quangos, and stop throwing good money after bad on things that aren't working. Kira Kelly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing you don't agree with that. I don't agree, no. Um, I agree on one thing. I'm not quite sure why Enda has come out with this. I don't think it's necessary for him to com- have come out with this. They're going to win anyway. I mean, Fine Gael are going to be back in power in the next election, uh, and that, that's, that's a given. So th- this is another 
endism, I think, that he feels he has to over-egg the pudding, and I'm not quite sure why. We because simply, it works, electorally. <sighs> well, he was going, he's going to get in anyway. But we, we can't afford to do this. Well, it's not guaranteed he's going well, to get I, 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 I'd wager a bet that he No, I, I think they will, but yeah. it's, the election isn't in the bag But, but I, I don't think, though, that this is a good idea for, for two reasons. One is I, I don't agree for a moment that we should slash the, the public service. I think um, our, public, our, our, our social services are poor enough as it is. I mean, health is on its knees, that kind of thing. So, so, so slashing that isn't necessarily going to be helpful to the country in general. Um, but I also think that as, as the single biggest employer in the state, uh, just letting loads of public servants go is not necessarily a, a good thing either because it will you know, affect our, our, our employment figures and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think we can afford to do this, frankly. Uh, I, I looked at Renewal's, for example, um, plan to have a flat tax rate and I, I plugged my own income into it and I I was going to get a tax rebate of tens of thousands next year if that happened and I'm thinking to myself all the time who's going to pay for that because if they're given like a middle class person like me that kind of tax rebate Where's that? Where's the, where's the hole being plugged from? It's mm. been plugged from somewhere else. And I then I put in lower figures. People on very very low incomes into Renewa, and their tax rates were going up. So their tax rates, were, their, their tax payments were going up to fund my tax cut. I happen to not really believe in that as a principle. Um, and 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 you're right, Ian. It is it is a political philosophy. It is an economic philosophy. But for me. I would like to pay less tax than everybody, you know, same as anybody else, but I would like to have more money in my pocket. But I'm not really willing to do it at the expense of public services. I'm not really willing to do it at the expense of uh, public sector employment. And I'm not really willing to do it um, at the risk of widening the inequality in our society, because I think it is worth paying for equality. If you look at somewhere like America that is a low tax regime, the inequality in that system is disgusting. The education system is on its knees. So if you're in public um, education in the States, you haven't got a chance. You're going to be in a poverty trap for the rest of your life. They have all those work for welfare programmes and all that kind of stuff. And all you're left with is a kind of an under sort of belly of society that can never get out of its poverty trap and are always trapped and it results in a horrible society. Okay, Bernice Harrison, we have two sort of different ideological um, poles apart, I suppose. Yes, poles Uh, apart. Where where do you stand? Well, I agree with Kira because um, unlike (coughs) Ian, I actually have to engage with the state because I send my kids to school, I use the public hospitals, I use the roads, I use the public lighting. You know, so... I actually have to engage with those services that the state provides. Do the hospitals and the schools need as many middle managers, for example? Well, I I don't know that, but I do know that I need those services and I'm very glad that they're there. I'm very glad we have schools and hospitals and so on. So I I come down on Kira's side. I I do agree with you, Shane. I I do think it has that sort of, if we, it, it does give you a little bit of a shiver because you think are we getting back to if I uh, if I have it I'll spend it philosophy you know that they're going to tax I think we're back there already if you look at the last budget um Look, we're still th- borrowing to pay for all of this. What's interesting, you know, we, we, we shuffled through all the papers there uh, a while ago and, you know, the headlines on the Sunday Times and the Business Post and the Independent were all about tax cuts. And inside, in the smaller pieces, it was, you know, hospitals funding crisis, education funding crisis and so on. Those two don't match. Okay, just to change it a little bit, um, doesn't this... You know, give the lie to the thing that it's it's all down. The politicians bankrupted the country 10 years ago because the reality is this will work. And since Fine Gael started talking about cutting taxes, their poll rating has gone up. So you get the politicians, you get the governments you, you deserve. Absolutely. And, and this is what people want, basically. No political party ever lost votes because they were offering people money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know that, that doesn't matter what 
colour your political stripes are. No party ever lost But have friends. we learned nothing from the crash? Um, well, it's, it's, things are certainly never going to go back to that level of madness. And as much as I hate well, the hang on. Hang well, on. No, no, hold on, hold are on you a sure? second. Are you sure? I, I, yeah, well, the thing is, if they do, <laughs> we have nobody to blame at all. We didn't have anyone to blame yeah, the first time no, I heard it. No, as much as I, as much as I despise this phrase, oh, you know, we all party too hard and things like that. I mean, there, there was. A th- I, I find it very hard to have any sympathy for somebody who took out three mortgages for rental properties, for example. And I know several people like that. As far as I'm concerned, when the crash came, good, screw them, right? I had no sympathy. Um, as regards the, the average person was just working and then when you rule the world Ian I'm going to be very scared that's all <laughs> I, I actually, want to say I actually love being on a paper panel with <laughs> no, Ian I really enjoy it no, but the thing it's about individual responsibility I'm, one of the funniest one of the most gr- well not funny one of the most grimly amusing items I ever saw on the news was a couple um, on the south side of Dublin and the, the woman was complaining that she'd bought three apartments off the plans in Bulgaria and now the company was gone and the government wasn't doing a damn thing to help her out um Good. So do you, you're do you, would you kind of agree, if Bertie Hearn got a bit of flack, he was on, it was it a BBC radio show last week and he <laughs> talked about, I can't remember how he phrased it, Joe and Mary Citizen or, um, basically went mad with borrowing money. Do you, because no, any time a politician no, says that, they no, get hammered for it. No, and, and, and rightly so. But what I'm saying is that I've no sympathy for those individual people who actually massively, you know, everybody, for, for a while everybody seemed to, or a lot of people seemed to think that they were Donald Trump and... There was, I mean, there was a signs of national madness when there was the, there was an ad for an expo in the RDS about exciting new investment opportunities in India, and you're going, ah, oh, lads, come on, like, you know what I mean? Who the hell wants to become a landlord in India? Um, but that again, for, um, this all goes down to the fact. Ultimately, no politician is going to tell you to massively overextend any loans that you want to take out, whatever. This goes back into what I keep on banging but on we, about. And I it seems to be remarkably unfashionable okay. uh, theory in here of people actually taking responsibility for their own money okay, and taking responsibility for their own actions. Well, look, I, I think what we're seeing... To, look, let's remember what day it is. This is the Sunday before Christmas. I, there is not a whole heap in the papers. This So, with the result... You know, the papers have to print something, so there's this little hint that there's going to be tax changes, and they've run with them. I don't really, these are promises, you know, these are off the cuff promises that are said. I, you know, will they come to pass? I don't know. It is It is irksome, though, that, that the Taoiseach, who has, you know, banged the drum for the last four years about the fact that he's had to clean up the mess of the previous government, which there's a grain of truth in that, of course, but that he's going down the same stupid road. What mm. about... It Our politicians just being a bit this, measured. Doesn't this just undermine being a bit balanced? When you see these kind of promises, oh, doesn't it undermine the credibility oh, of Finnegan and Labour, who say if we'd been yeah. in government in 2002, right. we would have done? Yeah, no, 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 it totally does. And also, there's you know, if 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 you remember back in 2008, people were saying, oh, where were the economists? Who are all the advisors? You know, telling us this should never. Well, the RSI has come out and said, look, stall the ball. We we need to we we don't need to slash taxes. We, we need to hold steady. We don't need seven percent growth that. next year. That's what we mm. don't need. And people who think that we do need that are foolish and there's no question that Enda Kelly Enda Kenny is foolish I mean he, and he's as stupid to even come out and say this because this Well is he stupid or is he politically I astute I think he's politically do astute so. I don't think he's astute at all I, okay. I, 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 it would put no, me off if, was, if, 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 if we're looking at a 50-50 split you can understand why he'd keep this as the ace on his hole do, and, do you see and he doesn't seem to need to use it now the papers today no you don't. Well, yeah, lots of text coming through to 53106. Uh, totally agree with everything Ian said about slashing quangos. I presume that includes the SRI, by the way. Uh, Ian, uh, stopping, <laughs> yes. stopping foreign donations, etc. Noel says. Uh, but somebody else says, Ian's ideas are laughable. Ask him what he would do about the 4 billion that POIE uh, workers pay to farmers. Uh, would he agree a rural dominated doll gives preference to every sector except urban POIE workers? I completely agree with that. I, point. I suspect he would. Point. Sean says, um, How low does Fianna Fáil have to go before there's a challenge to Martin's leadership? They're now in a worse position. 
coalition than the last election, 13% core vote. Well, there won't be any challenge to Micheál Martin's leadership, certainly this side of a general election. And if they get 35 seats, I suspect he'll be there for the next uh, four or five years. If he gets somewhere in the low 20s, then I, I don't think his I don't see 35 seats. Do you see 35 seats for Fianna I think they could get there. I think they could get there. Uh, I was a civil servant for over 30 years, Suzanne. People don't like paying taxes if they feel their tax are not put to good use. We need a grown-up discussion about what services we want, what we pay for, and then we need good governance to ensure the services are properly run. People are fed up with waste and bad governance. That's a fair point. That is a fair point. Uh, the opinion poll, any particular views on it? Does Do you think it shows a trend that it's, the trend is obviously in favour of Fine Gael and Labour. Uh, in it's, 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 it's all leading towards that. And basically what we have is just, uh, what's going to be interesting is just basically the backing musicians in the band who yeah. as well from the independents and things of like that, you know. Um, but we know who the two principles are going to be. Um, the Shinners incredibly are, well, not, not longer incredibly, I mean, they're up one. Uh, Fianna Fáil are down too. So, I mean, it's, this is the opinion poll that nobody really cares about. It's the one that's going into Christmas. Well, yeah. Labour will take heart, I think, from it because uh, Pat Lee is a very good analysis piece. But he says, um, for Labour, the party has bounced between 7 and 10%. So the 9% that it showed in this poll, you know, it's no big whoop. But still, it's, he's saying it's going in the right direction. But interestingly, take Dublin, crucible of the party's efforts to save itself. Over the three months of last summer, Labour's average support in Dublin was 11%. Last month, it was 13%. Today, it is 16%. So that's going in a very strong direction for Labour. Okay. Uh, Kira. just lastly on this, you know, the old adage that elections are fought on one of two things, either time for change or don't let the... Uh, we've, got, we've got stability, don't yeah. let the other crowd mess it up. It'll be the latter. It will, and that's why I think this is foolish kite flying by Kenny. Could I just ask, is grumpy middle a new thing? I see Pat Lee, he's talking about the grumpy yeah, what middle. Is the grumpy I feel middle? I'm always in the grumpy middle, but uh, I mean, is it a new thing? Is it? The, <laughs> does he mean people are reluctantly deciding? I'm going to go for the, the, the devil. For, I know yeah, I think so, I, I think so. Is but is, we'll see. Is, does this become a thing as the election goes on? Okay. I'd quite like to be in the grumpy middle myself. <laughs> okay, a couple of texts. Um, think the polls point to a class-based election with working and welfare class voters supporting Sinn Féin, Independence, and others, while the middle class support the status quo parties. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Would you agree with that? No. No, okay. I, I would actually. Uh, during the Celtic Tiger, my bank kept offering me unsolicited fifteen thousand euro loans. I kept saying no. I didn't get out of my debt, uh, out of my debt even. Okay, keep the text coming to five three one zero six at a cost of thirty cent. Kira Kelly, Bernice Harrison, Ian O'Darty are staying with us. More from the Sunday papers on the Sunday show after this short break. Welcome back to the Sunday show. Shane Coleman with you until noon today. Now, Kira Kelly, Bernice Harrison and Ian O'Darty are going through the uh, Sunday papers. Uh, Bernice, a uh, piece that caught uh, our attention in the Sunday Times today. Dublin needs to smarten up its tatty sense of style by Graham Hickey. Um, just give us the, the premise. What, what's, what's he saying? Well, he's basically saying that it's, it's not the usual that O'Connell, that O'Connell Street's in bits, uh, Westmoreland Street's a shocker. He's basically saying we've allowed too many tatty things to happen. He's saying take South Anne Street off Grafton Street, one of the most photographed vistas in the city. No less than 43 tacky banners, projecting signs and neon signboards have been allowed to accumulate over this view, not counting the plethora of flagpoles, rugby banners and other commercial tat doled out by drink sponsors to bars and restaurants. So he's saying there's no control. So with no standards. No, sta- nobody's saying no. Um, that you, you just can't, you, just the shop front should have an integrity of them of their own, and that people have to stop piling crap in front of them. Yeah, he also makes the point. He says that you get these businesses who spend 
tens, even hundreds of thousands on their interiors, and then they spend absolutely nothing on the exterior. Yeah, the, absolutely. The and well, he, you know, th- this is actually a think piece because he, he he does come to some recommendations at the end. Actually, he says, you know, and I don't know how popular this would be. He says we need a tourist accommodation tax, uh, so and that that money will then be spent enhancing uh, historic. He also wants greater enforcement powers for enforcement powers. I think this is a stupid yeah. article, uh, and I think it's an incredible snobby Sunday Times article. I quite like. I've been in European cities where they're they're very, you know, uniform and beautiful and all that. And there isn't a banner and there isn't anything. It's a bit boring and bland about it. I don't mind an old sandwich board or an awning or what have you. So I quite no, like the should. buzz. So and this goes. is another piece that calls for another tax. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. First yeah, of all, that's a, ridic- that's a ridiculous idea because what we need is tourists to come to Dublin. I'm not quite sure that tourists are objecting to, to the sandwich boards on the street. And I quite like there being a bit of a buzz around Grafton Street, a bit of a buzz around so the city. So neon signs everywhere, no standards, no, no regulations. I think this is a total s- snobbery piece. I think that this is an absolute uh, vanity piece by the Sunday Times going, oh, yeah. Dublin, why aren't we posh enough? Well, on that the basis, problems with this city and, 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 and aren't but the Kira, to take that argument to its logical conclusion, says we should have no planning regulations at all. Because that's if, not if, true. if you insist on, if you insist on true, standards, Shane. then it, it, you're it, a snob. It, it isn't either, either. I, I would absolutely believe that there should be architectural standards and stuff. But I don't see any harm in an awning or a sandwich mm. board but or somebody... Think, though, that, that a street like Westmoreland Street is a shocker right now. I don't I, agree that it's a shocker at oh, all. Do you know, I, I, see, I, I, our office is around the I'm corner. Obviously, absolutely. I have to say... Well, Bernice, do you uh, honestly think, I, the, biggest with, do you honestly think the biggest problem with, with Westmoreland Street are the sandwich boards? No, no, yeah. of course I you don't. Know, I mean, no, no, really, of I you know, sorry, hang on, hold no, on. No. Just, just, just to be fair to him, his piece is not just no, about no, sandwich no, no. He's talking about yeah. the, general the general standards, standards. of shop fronts yeah. and our streets. There are yeah. many, many things that I worry about with Dublin city centre. I've worked in the city centre most of my life and I've seen a massive decline and deterioration over the last 10 years. I saw mm. a decline that actually started during the so-called Celtic Tiger. It's continued unabated now and to the fact that there are genuinely sort of some sort of real no-go areas um, in the lanes and the, the arteries mm. off O'Connell Street. Um, as somebody who lives and works in the city and has to deal with the genuine antisocial things, I couldn't give a stuff about front, mm. shop fronts. I'm more, I'm more you, you, you don't think you don't I'm, think the environment matters uh, actually matters uh, and well has an influence. I think the more the, the more immediate environment would be, as I saw recently, two junkies shagging in a lane as people were uh, walking by. That's the kind of environmental cleaning. Yep. I prefer, you know, I don't think it's an either or. Okay, let, 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 let Bernice yeah. come in here. It's not an, e- yeah. an either or. There, I think. I think actually, to to be on the the, the plus side. It's very hard to judge Dublin City right now because it's all dug up and it's absolute chaos and it's hideous trying to get around it because of the Lewis works. So, you know, none of it looks good right now, uh, for sure. Um, I think he has a point. I, I feel tension is not being paid to Dublin. I think, you know, O'Connell Street, does anybody burst with pride when they think of how fabulous O'Connell Street looks? No, they don't. And that's a pity. I just think that to call it a, sh- a shocker is, is, is a gross exaggeration. And, and I think that there are obviously problems with the city centre. Um, but I don't really think that this is one of them. And I think that the architecture of Dublin is important. I think what we build is important. I think the respect we have to our cityscapes. And I, and I would be so very much on the, business. I'd be very much on the same page as Frank Macdonald about an awful lot of that kind of stuff. So should a business be able to put up a red plastic sign outside mm. the shop front? Because that's the kind of stuff to. he's talking about. I don't really care about that. Do you, I do, you see. That matters. Yeah, that matters. I think that matters. Why? Because if, if you let the general environment go mm. down, if a place looks like a dump, it'll people will react I don't actually accept that Dublin does look like a dump. 
I actually don't think that it does. I think so, Dublin is so still. People should be able to stick up anything they want. In no, 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 no. But so you're taking things to the illogical exactly. conclusion, I'm not, not no, the logical conclusion. I love this. Uh, the absolute lack of faith in human nature when anything comes up. Oh, yeah, everybody, everybody agrees. Right. I have absolutely no faith. Absolutely. I would hate to engage in hyperbole the week before Christmas. No, but this is the kind of argument that if you basically, if you don't have regulation, then all of a sudden everybody's going to put up neon flashing strippers uh, so, you know, on, on, on their shop sign. Um, that's pretty much that's what happens. That's pretty much what happens. I mean, do you ever, <laughs> that's do only you outside the neon stripper shops that sell neon strippers. No, for there God's sake. There are enough neon strippers in Dublin look, as look, far as I'm concerned. Right? Okay, nobody, just, nobody, let's have one voice at a time. Nobody wants to see constant... I'm actually... I'm more annoyed by... Uh, the, the McDonald's arches than I am by anything else. Actually, they, they really bug me. But that's a classic example. Uh, that's though. a classic if, example. If you don't have but, regulations, but, but that's thing, what you'll see. You can't regulate for everything and they don't need the state to regulate it so you should actually have local actually local business authorities for the physical environment that is one of, of the things you actually well, by introducing more taxes and by well, no, telling forget, forget, forget the tax thing forget the tax thing you mentioned in the piece rules and strict planning guidelines that's nothing to do with tax that's got everything to everything to do with protecting the integrity of the city fundamentally which, as long as a business isn't actually breaking say lots of decency and things like that with a sign if they want to put up a sign let them put up a sign and then if the if they close because nobody likes the sign and nobody goes into the shop okay. well then that's oh. business L- last question is before we move on Kira, what's the difference between a shop putting up a, a horrible sign that looks ugly and is cheap and nasty and a a house sticking a, an extra story on for example with the, that's going to have a big impact on their I, I think things like signs which are by almost definition are, are kind of temporary structures are quite different to a building but just one thing one of my favourite cities in the world is New York I think it's a beautiful city I think it's an amazing city but parts of it are honky tonk and busy and cluttered and fabulous and I think Dublin has an element of that to it too it's a beautiful old lady of a city Dublin and the fact that it has a few tawdry bits to it to me, is part of what I like about it. People I don't. Want. I don't want to just be a tourist destination that has no soul of Dublin. Yeah, I actually think about, that, is, that Dublin should be for Dubliners, and I have no yeah. issue about it oh, being well, a, Dubliners a, a bit deserve, vibrant. Dubliners don't deserve a beautiful environment too. I just think perhaps what we're describing as a beautiful environment is is a little bit of a there's snobby, a very, there's a, there's a snobby, gentrified, elitism gentrified about this. I actually quite aesthetic like thing. Down. Well, if that I makes quite me a like, snob, I'm, I'm well, proud well, to well, say I'm a snob. Proud, shame. Okay, you're a snob there, but I quite like being on the phone, walking down Dame Street, where there's loads of uh, roadworks going off, there's jackhammers gone, there's police sirens in the background, there's people shouting. I'm trying to say to somebody, I, I'll ring you back, I'm in bloody Baghdad right now. I love that about being in a city. Well, I love that being I kind of like that too, Ian, and that's what I'm saying. Okay, Bernice. Dame Street is has been largely protected. There, Dame yeah. Street is a very is a beautiful street. It has been largely protected and indeed improved the, by you, city you've planners. Picked the least so let's go to Westmoreland Street. Look, 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 pick any street that doesn't actually have people slicing each other with blades, right? The whole well, that's pretty low standard there, Ian, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm not even going to respond to that, but the, look, go down, go down to the Bowery, go down to the Lower East Side, go down to the Village, go down and actually see how a city really works, in, like the greatest city in the world, New York, and you go, there's lots of roadworks there, there's lots of gaudy signs there, and it's the best place okay. on earth. Uh, listeners text and say, every town and city I've been to in France and Italy charges a daily tourist tax uh, per person. Uh, just want to turn, there's a lot of um, stories about sporting figures uh, in the Sunday papers today. Um, uh, Eno Darty, I presume Jimmy Hill was a, a, a fair part of your uh, childhood. He was, and <coughs> he was one of those people who was universally mocked 
as far as I can remember growing Towards up. Towards the end of his career. Well, no, even, I funny enough, I, no, at the time, because when he, when he was in his pomp, he was a real figure for, there was the Mikey Arwoods and people I thought he was a real, you know, he was a figure of fun. Because he was from, so well known. Because he was so well known and everybody just thought he was an Egypt. And then I remember actually Eamon Dunphy had a right go of him uh, in the late 80s as well. And people, but actually he's probably the most important individual um, in 50 years in football. In the world, I mean, he got rid of the maximum wage, which is so. So it's nothing to whether you like about any, whether you like football or not. The idea of a man actually coming in and smashing the principle of a maximum wage for that alone, and he brought in. He, he was an innovator. Um, he was quite a dictatorial chap. He was a difficult guy. I mean, the last time any of us saw him was on. Um, he had a program on Sky called Jimmy Hill's uh, Sunday Supplement, and it was just. It, he was a remarkable gift to the world of football and it's maybe now in death he'll actually be taken as seriously as he never was in life mm. I think okay uh, Kira, was he someone who impinged on your consciousness growing up the only thing I really know about him was that he had a really big chin and uh, that's about all I remember match of the day I could sing the theme tune to it but I, do, I, I mean I'm, as you know I'm not a big fan of sports I'm just interested in what Ian said though Ian the fact that he, he smashed the, the maximum wage was that a positive it was if you were a footballer on 20 quid a week at the time, yeah. Well, yes. I uh, was at the time. They were, they were, they were effectively in de- bondage. But, bondage the, but, but the fact that they earn millions and millions and millions now, is that well, a good I'd, thing? I'd rather, look, I would rather see, this is the cliche with people who don't like football, oh, teenage millionaires behaving badly. Um, I would rather see a, team, a teenage millionaire taking the money out of the game than the agents and the hangers-on and no, stuff like that. Fair, fair um, let, the, let, let the people who do the labour make the money and they wouldn't have been able to do it. Now, okay. what they do with it is a different matter entirely. But no, that's all down to Jimmy Hill. Him and Bosman have had a massive impact on the game. Uh, Tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of the end of Jack Charlton's uh, glorious uh, reign, uh, Ian, as well. Um, it was it was an extraordinary time in Ireland football. It ended, it kind of ended badly. It was the Clivert double in Anfield against us. Yeah. Oh, not Clivert. Who was the... Clivert. Clivert got both goals. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, that, but that was, a, that was a classic. If ever there was a playoff that you kind of know that the country had run its course, that team had run its course, everybody had to go and... Uh, Look, the, the the things he did, despite all the the rancor that was caused by the style of play. My God, you look back at it. You know, we, career, we didn't know we were born. Are the careers of football managers not the same as the careers of politicians? Do they not always end in ignominy? Is that not how that has to happen? It often does. It definitely often does. Um, lots of coverage as well of uh, Conor McGregor uh, across the papers. Bernice, is it is it something also as well of uh, we should mention uh, Tyson Fury, Tyson the, Fury. The, the heavyweight? Because <laughs> well, actually, we'll talk about him before we talk about McGregor. Actually, because the BBC Sports Personality of the Year award is on tonight. He's one of those yeah. in in the frame for obviously as world heavyweight champion uh, he's got a tendency to kind of shoot his mouth off a bit and one of the papers reporting that there won't be any delay when they're interviewing mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. Uh, which um, is hardly crazy I, I think David Walsh is a great piece in the Sunday Times David and Walsh is a fan uh, yes he is a fan and in fact <laughs> well this Dan First is good he says the conqueror of Klitschko says he will refute claims of sexism, sexism on BBC's big live show tonight I mean they must be quaking over there now I now, think they might be delighted people <laughs> might actually tune, <laughs> tune in and watch in, it yes yeah. well now, David Walsh, he takes on one thing that, um, just for those who don't know, Tyson Fury has said several highly inflammatory things. Two, one of them is he equated homosexuality with paedophilia. And I suppose that's been kind to call it in, inflammatory. That's a real hate, hate mm. crime thing, in it's my view. It's not a hate crime, it's an opinion you don't agree with. Okay. Um, and he's also said that uh, women belong in the kitchen or on their back. Um, now, David Walsh has put this into a bit of context. I, uh, you know, I'm not sure how it works in a context. He says, 
in that interview, his wife, uh, Tyson Fury's wife, is standing beside him and they exchanged sort of a, you know, a knowing kind of glance. That it was sort of a fun thing between the two of them. It wasn't his big opinion on the world. It was, you know, so, so David, yes, I, David Walsh is a bit of a defender, actually. I thought that was or an apologist, to to, you might say. So, yes, yeah. Well, I don't think David Walsh is an apologist for him. But no, I think he, he's defending he, him. I think he's, he, is someone he admires who, him as a sportsman, I think. Yeah. I think he's sort of, you know, because the, the heavyweight champion of the world is is a big is a big belt to win literally um so i think he's admiring him that way he's he's also saying you know but the headline uh, below it is bbc serves up another farce with awards show um and david Walsh says it's the competition where beckham always beats skulls where princess anne beat george best she won one year uh, when george best was in the running i think the only mother and daughter team to win it are princess anne and her daughter Whatever Zara, not Zara Phillips. Phillips. Okay, yeah. well, that's good. Queen Elizabeth never won it. That's not right. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, though, how uh, Muhammad Ali came out with vile things about Whitey and about the Jews, and he came out with, and, and about women. I mean, Ali said mm. far worse things about women. And yeah, you'll get the usual sort of middle class liberals with no interest in boxing, and they go, "Oh, Muhammad Ali was a great guy." And they'll hop on Tyson Fury now. Um, if Amir Khan, the Muslim boxer, come out and said anything that Tyson Fury had said, nobody would have batted an eyelid. They just would have gone. He comes from a socially conservative background. Um, really, they wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Really, no. and really? they can say they would have been wrapping themselves up because everybody likes Amir Khan because they rep- they recognise the fact that he's actually from a very socially conservative background. And the only reason why Tyson Fury isn't getting an even bigger kick in England than he already is is because he's from an Irish traveller family, and that's a protected class. Um, Fury also basically he backed up what he said. I mean, his views are stupid and they're dumb, but really, you know, if you're looking to the heavyweight champion of the world for a bit of moral instruction, yeah, that, that's wrong the with thing, isn't yeah. it? I mean, like he's a sports you know, really, bloke who you know. gets his head pounded off him all the time. So, so. I think why we think necessarily that he's going to be some kind of a, a fountain of, of, of you know wisdom or, or some kind of an oracle of, of social okay. mores or something. He's also pretty knowing about the whole celebrity culture. I mean, I don't know who the last year's world champion heavyweight of the world was, or the year Pitchcock. before, or the year before, or the year before. You know, I don't no, know. No one, I very know few him. people do anymore. Exactly. Um, listen, just before we go to break, let's talk about Conor McGregor. Lots of coverage a- across the papers. Ian, you were um, you were reading a piece that Tom McGurk wrote in the Business Post. You disagree. Uh, t- uh, Tom McGurk was saying boxing is kind of uh, a, a, a more civilised, gentlemanly kind the of... The thing is, I, I really hate this because I can't, as I was disagreeing, I was kind of agreeing. This, and I've, I've written something similar yesterday. Um, there's a real... <coughs> excuse me. There's a, there's a real unpleasant, deeply unpleasant... Uh, snootiness towards UFC because it's predominantly like it's very much a blue collar sport um, it's the biggest working class sport amongst young men now in the country um, and it's a very hard game to like at times and McGregor oh, it's I, vicious. I, I thought well it's meant to be vicious but it's also the thing is I mean the difference I, I put it this I don't think Tom mentioned it but the difference for me between boxing and UFC is when McGregor put Aldo down and now he's spark out but UFC removes the possibility for the champ to get back off the canvas mm. and come back out. Because he's half dead. And because the thing is, the whole point mm. then is that you go down and do him. But I admire UFC to a tremendous degree. The courage, the, the skill that often gets overlooked in this um, is absolutely immense. But you look at some of the fights and it's, 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 it's one of those things. It just becomes extreme chipper wrestling. It's the kind of thing I would have seen last night when I was when I was coming home from the local. And that's a good thing, you know. Uh, no, that's not a good it's thing. Not, for me. It's not I'm only it's not only working class lads, though, because I mean I would be you know pretty middle class, and my my son and all his friends are obsessed with the UFC. The, 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 I just well, well maybe that's a good thing because but it's, it's yeah. just in general the way it's been treated by the media. Um, 
and the, the media in this country is appallingly middle class, um, is that it's it's basically just the, it's ex- extreme shape of wrestling put into a ring. The, the, the courage, <laughs> the dedication and the skill that these lads have to come up with is like nothing any journalist yeah, would ever Yeah, but is understand. it not okay, Bernice, is it not okay to be sniffy about a, about a sport that basically involves battering the head off Well, somebody? you see, I think it is. And Ian talked about, you know, where the money goes in sport and he's talking about football. Tom McGurk does make a point that this is sort of a made-up sport, that it was made up when professional boxing collapsed uh, because of all the corruption and all that dogged that. And a gap emerged in the commercial sports TV market. And so this this sport was created. Um, so, you know, where's the... It's a money sport, but, you know. It's do, naive to think do, it's not. Does that overly matter? I think at the end of the day, for what, now it wouldn't be my cup of tea, but at the end of the day... People have always wanted to see people fighting and people have always yeah, put bets on people. Yeah, it is absolutely. Mm. And it's been boxing, it's been wrestling, yeah. it's now UFC. Uh, but there's also people who are other kinds of mixed martial arty types well, of things Dana, that people... Dana White, the, you the know, guy behind it, he made a good point. He said where he was growing up on the block in New there's York. There's a demand for this. There'd be, there'd be gangs of kids at different ends of the square. Um, they'd all be doing their own different things. They'd have the blights, yeah. the blacks one end, the Italians and the Irish and all that. So the fight breaks in the middle. Everybody wants to see the fight. It's human nature. Well, Tom McGurk does make a point and he's, he's making the point that, look, you know, is this yet another sport where people end up brain damaged and I think that's a really really valid valid question to ask I imagine that that would yeah and okay, listen, we need to, need to go to a break. Uh, one text before we do. Uh, Ian needs to move down here to the West where the living is easy. Everything about life in Dublin seems to annoy him. <laughs> Back in a moment on The Sunday Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Show. Shane Coleman with you until noon today. Now, Kira Kelly, Bernice Harrison and Ian O'Darty are still with us. Um, Bernice, um, this time of year, I suppose Christmas, traditionally we, it was a big time for TV has that kind of changed now with Netflix and streamed films and all that? I mean, I'm looking at the Christmas Day schedule. I mean, there's no sort of the day where you could have this big blockbuster premiere. They're kind of gone, well, are they? The, the, yeah, the film thing has gone a few years now, I, I think. And it's been taken over by dramas, sort of big, you know. It, to me, it's like it reminds me of the annuals when you were small. You know, you'd get an annual every Christmas. Well, and that was sort of the bumper edition of your comic. Well, you know, we kind of get the same now with Downton and so on call the midwife they're the big voting uh, they're the big viewer catchers no uh, doubt in this year though, well, no, there is Downton. you see that's the thing now unfortunately and we've discussed this many times uh, UTV Ireland can't don't show Downton Abbey uh, TV3 still has the rights to that. Okay. So if you live uh, north of the border or if you live in the UK, you can watch Downton Abbey um, on Christmas Day. Um, if you don't, then you have to wait till TV3 shows it on Stephen's Day. Okay, so just one day more. You can wait. You can wait. to see the confines that you absolutely know are going to happen. You're one to talk about not sweating the small stuff. Yeah. In fairness, you know, Darley. But anyway, <laughs> <Yes, really? laughs> <laughs> uh, is it what's what, what's grabbing your attention? Well, for, I'll for watch Christmas. Downton. Of course, I will because it's so easy. And why wouldn't you? And you know it's going to happen. And you can just about <laughs> predict all the lines. And it's grand. And it's not going to take any, not even one ounce of brain power. Um, we're going to get a lot of Mrs. Brown this Christmas there's Mrs Brown do you regard do that as a good thing or well, not? well I'm afraid I don't now I'm pr- Elon will probably say that's snobby but I don't I, d- I don't find no I completely agree oh okay <laughs> I like well, Mrs Brown oh okay I, yeah you see it's <laughs> and you know what an awful lot of people do because I didn't when I first saw it I thought oh this is terrible mm-hmm. and then I started to get it yeah. and now I think it's hilarious yeah I mean uh, look a lot of the films that are on we've seen them before there's one film that 
that I would watch again. It's Gravity. It's on Christmas Eve. It's Orchie's big, but it's going to have ads in it. So I don't think you can watch that movie with ads in it. So that's not going to work. But most of the other movies, you've seen, well, maybe with the exception Behind the Candelabra. That's I, I didn't see that movie. That's on on Monday the 28th on BBC Two. And that's the Liberace movie. Uh, oh, yeah. With yeah. Them, yeah. So that's one of the few Matt ones Damon that's on that I yeah, actually Douglas, didn't. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Don't watch Up. Don't make the same mistake <laughs> that I made the two years ago with the wife. And it was uh, Sky were showing up for the first time on Christmas Day. And it started about three o'clock. So I've been, I love Christmas Day. I love cooking. I love being in the kitchen. And so we it's a wonderful life in the morning, which is obviously has to be done. And then came in to watch Up. Started at three o'clock. By 20 past three, both myself and the wife were in floods of tears mm-hmm. on the couch. After the first, ten, yeah, the first 10 minutes. She was, mm. she was calling me a bastard because she was convinced that I knew how horrible it was mm. going to be. And I was doing this as some She just knows sick, you in. But she thought it was some sick, depraved Christmas joke to ruin the thing. Um, if you haven't seen Up, I will never watch that film again. That film traumatised me more than the grey zone did, right? Um, but if That's because you, you weren't it, expecting it, though. I, I totally well, agree with you. Because it's one of those things you read. And I mean, half my mates are movie critics and they all come out. And of course, they all said they, they all said they were crying at the screening, but they all said, uh, in watch it on Christmas Day you love it poignancy <laughs> in children's movies has become a thing it's the same thing with Inside Out I came out of Inside Out like a little bit of my soul had been sucked away and I, like why why do we need to have yeah. this they're kids movies can we not just be happy yeah uh, Ian O'Darty you uh, wanted to get something off your chest um, but not, nothing you might say particularly new about that but it, oh, in specifically in relation to no, it was last night's um, last night's sports, sports person of the year I'll just yeah. go this very quickly Michael O'Neill he won the manager of the year the Northern Ireland manager he's a good guy he's worked down here everybody you know, respects him. I've no problem. Great with that. achievement getting Northern um, Ireland. To the I think it's ridiculous that our national broadcaster, for which we are forced upon pain of prison to pay a license fee for, um, chose to give manager of the year to somebody who manages a different country. Um, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. If TV3, for example, had given him the award, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. But it's the fact that we have to pay a license fee. This is the RTE Sports Personality of the Year, and the manager of the year goes to somebody who isn't even in this country. And this is the national. Isn't there something about the in the constitution? I know Articles two and three were were changed, but the, I mean, is the is the North not regarded as part of our country? Okay, well, well, okay, we'll, we'll flip that one back. Do you honestly think the BBC Northern Ireland Sports Personality of the Year is going to give Manager of the Year to Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane? Well, Martin O'Neill's from Derry, so you know. Uh, look, I mean, they're different countries, different states. Different states. Different states. So different states on there. Are we going to have so a constitutional debate about sports versus beer? So Orti prizes, Orti competition should only be for people who who live in the Republic Absolutely. of Ireland. Absolutely, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because we pay the license fee, therefore we have a right to apply. If it's if it's a if it's a competition on TV three, I've no problem. So with where somebody do you stand on things like the IFTAs and, and stuff like? Where do you stand on that? That should only be for Irish-made movies and Irish-made programs. Yeah, it's you know the clues in the name. But you're talking about how can you go from that to basically a competition where somebody from Fermanagh who has nothing to do with this country gets to ring into the late late and win a prize? I mean, why? I mean, the whole point of like these things is that if you pay the license fee, which I don't agree with and I don't want to, um, but if you're going to have the license fee, well, then why on earth, if RTE are doing something, should it not at least be confined to a territory where people are expected to pay the license fee? We okay. don't get BBC Player and we don't complain about it because we, we're not in a territory that pays the license fee. Just finally on this one. All I was going to say is, can we don't talk about, about Christmas movies. Well, we've got to, yeah. I just before we do, I just want to say congratulations to the Dog Football Club. I, I cast my vote for them for uh, for Team of the Year. And indeed, do you think Richie Dowell will do well? I do. I do think he'll do well. Yeah. Good signing. Uh, oh, yeah. He's joined a good club, and it'd be great. And to everybody see him wants a new Vardy. Yeah, 
That would be nice. That would be yeah. nice, wouldn't it? Um, let's okay. Let's, Kira. You want to talk about Christmas? Movies. No, just, just I thought we were going to. Um, yeah, I absolutely adore Christmas and absolutely adore Christmas TV. And to me, Christmas is all about fire, Christmas lights all twinkling, and sitting around the box. Now, I wouldn't. I probably, even though I'd quite like to watch Downton, won't get to watch Downton because I have four kids, and I will be watching, no doubt, wall to wall you know, action movies and all that kind of stuff, which secretly suits me quite well as well. Um, and, and I think that's part of what Christmas is. I think that that kind of gathering around the telly, like the royal family and, uh, you know, when you're wearing your paper hat is kind of what it's all about. I, I suppose the other thing, Kira, that's part of Christmas is the the Christmas song or the Christmas uh, <laughs> Don't be so mean. There's really oh, no need, Shane. There's uh, no need to go there. There's a photograph of you. I'm desperately trying to find the Sunday Independent. <laughs> no, you and a, a, a little known broadcaster uh, called George Hook. Yeah, yeah. And you've re- you're a it's been launched tomorrow on News Talk. Sing song. it, Kira. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yes, it's. Do you know what? It's Page eight of the. It's a bit a of fun. Well, actually, it was, it was supposed to just be funny uh, oh. for, for the health check, and then there was talk of going out for charity, and then it was too short a time frame. And anyway, look. Do you know what? It's just a bit of a hoot. And the song is "It's Baby, It's Cold Outside." Baby, it's cold. You don't want to give us a quick. I little. really don't. Okay. No. Um, George says it's a bit of fun. He's quoting the Sunday Independent. I'm not in the Sinatra class myself, <laughs> but Doctor Kieran can modestly. really hold the tune. Uh, no, no comment. Okay, no tune comment. in at five o'clock. Apparently, it's coming out at five o'clock tomorrow and six, six o'clock, o'clock on the right. The right <laughs> I, I will certainly be tuning thanks in. I won't miss it. Okay, uh, my thanks to uh, Kira Kelly, uh, singer, as well as uh, all her other uh, <laughs> products as well. Uh, Bernice Harrison and uh, Ian Darley. Happy Christmas, guys, and thanks, thanks for, for, Thank for, for coming into us. Uh, we'll be back uh, with. Um, we'll have a look at what's making the headlines in the sports pages after this.